0: We don't slut shame around here. They say
1: we are what we eat. Does that
0: come in organic? So, who are you eating? I believe they call that an ethical slut. Can I unplug your phone so I can charge my vibrator? I can't believe he couldn't find it. Fuck it. Let's roll. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat. The place to up level that sexy life of yours. With expert talk on sex, love, and nutrition. Hey, lovers, and welcome to episode two of our four part sensual series here on Eat, Play, Sex. I'm your sex expert, Dr. Kat. Did you know that your very own Dr. Kat was a fitness instructor before she was a yogi and a sex therapist? Yep, I was the one jumping around the room saying, And two, three, one, come on, let's do it. <laughs> you've got that image in your head now right (laughs) so question for you were you ever obsessed with fitness or body perfection have you ever had unexplained pain in your body or ever struggle with even being connected to your body or your sensuality and if your answer was a big giant yes then this episode is for you boo This is a raw and real and intellectually driven conversation about how our body grows more rigid over years of all the cultural pressures and trying to control ourselves from what's authentically alive in our body. Dr. Liz Letchford will teach you how your emotions affect your body and what practices you can do to help release yourself and come to your fullest sensual expression. But before we get to Dr. Liz, I want to personally invite you into a life of more sensuality and pleasure. This was my inspiration to creating this four part sensual series, bringing you top experts from embodiment to sensuality led CEOs, traumas impact on the body. And to me, sensuality is medicine and it's a lifestyle. You won't want to miss an episode, so be sure to hit subscribe and send this episode to your BFF. To further support your journey, I've put together a Sensual Sundays guide full of my favorite sensuality products and rituals to bring more pleasure into your Sundays. So click the link in the show notes or head over to sexloveyoka.com. So basically on this sensual series, this four-part episode on Eat, Play, Sex, I am super generous and I bring to you all of my super sexy, intelligent, smart, awesome, amazing friends who just happen to be experts in this field of sensuality and embodiment and, and being badass CEOs. And today I've got Dr. Liz Letchford, who is a PhD in Kinesiology and Rehabilitation Science. Sorry, I had a, I had a really drag out that ease because I keep fucking it up. But she's also super hot athletic trainer and coach on the popular digital at-home fitness platform, Tonal. And not only is she super hot, her brain is super hot too. Her research focuses on the relationship between emotions and movement. Thank you, Dr. Liz, for coming on. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Kat. Woo! Yo, we were talking right before this show was coming on and I was like, so basically, we're just going to laugh the entire episode and that's going to be the episode. I I think that's, that's therapy, right? (laughs) Oh
1: my gosh. It's so good. When you get two, when you get two
0: doctor minds together,
1: this is what happens.
0: It's just too much. Too much like orgasmic uh, laughter and research (laughs) and nerds and night uh, nightmare. No Um, nerds. Dreamland. Yes. yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the reason why I brought you on here besides you're one of my best friends and you're super hot and super intelligent is because you do this incredible research around connecting the emotions, like seeing the relationship of emotions and movement in the body. And as somebody who teaches sensuality, I teach people the how important it is to be connected with that feeling body, with that emotions, because because that is you know, sensuality is this relationship with with our body. It's the platonic relationship with our body and feeling. And I've worked with you in the past. And you have this magical touch in your hands and just mm-hmm. the way that you were pressing into my my back and holding specific positions, even in my belly. And, oh Lord, we'll get into mm-hmm. that today. Uh, <laughs> but I was bawling, like so much emotions were coming up. Mm-hmm. So I'd love if you could share with our listeners a bit about what you do and what even led you up to this discovery of like oh emotions and movement emotions and body la 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 yeah yeah so uh,
1: I began my career in sports medicine. One of my first jobs, I was a lifeguard. My second job, I was an EMT. And so I was always really curious about the body, how it works and, and medicine. I mean, most kids when they got home from school were watching like MTV or whatever mm-hmm. shows. were, on. And I was watching like trauma life in the ER. Stop. No, yeah. like Doogie
0: Howser or like,
1: no, like real trauma, like real actual <laughs> docu series, medical shows like <laughs> at age 11, you know? So I was, I've, i always been, I've always been so curious about the body and how it works. So I went in, um, I studied, my undergrad was in athletic training. I really wanted to help out these athletes, help them get better, Um, rehab their injuries and then improve their sport performance. So that's my foundational background. And as I moved through, I got my master's degree in the same thing, movement sciences. And my PhD work was focused on injuries in female athletes, specifically knee and hip injuries. And Mm. as I was doing my research, my research was so very much biomechanically driven meaning Mm -hmm. that I connected my subjects up to the, you know, when you, when you think about the video games and how they make video games, the motion capture Uh system. So I used that Uh in my research to identify what was different between the women who got injured and those who didn't. So female athletes, I used soccer athletes and volleyball athletes and basketball athletes. And as I was, as I was interviewing these amazing female athletes who were mostly in high school and college, What I didn't necessarily include in my study at the time, but what I was actually most curious about was their human experience. How how stressed are you? What is your relationship to your body? What how many how many days have you taken off since your last training session? Because as you know, soccer athletes they just like they they're year round. They're constantly moving. And these women are preparing for college or in college. They've got all of these outside stressors that I know as a A fellow human being when I'm stressed, my Mm -hmm. body doesn't feel as strong. And so I actually took note of that. I would interview them and take note of how stressed they were feeling, what their relationships, are you going through a breakup? How, how excited are you? What, what is your experience of preparing for college or the workforce or whatever's coming next? Mm. And what I noticed in my one-on-one practice. So I I take people through um, rehabilitative exercise in preparation for them getting into a more rigorous fitness routines. That's what I do one-on-one. And so what I I recognized in my research and in my one-on-one practice was that I can do all of the capturing of their motion. I can do all of the rehabilitative exercises that I've studied on or all these peer-reviewed research has suggested. But if mm-hmm. I don't actually treat the human and have what, what most people call good bedside manner, but if I don't understand what this person in front of me is going through, what their nervous system mm-hmm. baseline is at today, I'm missing mm-hmm. the whole point of helping them get better. And so as I as I dove into this in my one-on-one practice and had conversations around this with all of my friends and my peers, I just realized we're... We're really missing a huge point in if we really want people to get better, we've got to address the human behind the diagnosis, oh, wow. the human behind the condition. And so now I'm so passionate about absorbing and learning as much as I can, about studying it in my own practice and creating research questions that can help answer this question. So we can, we can move forward with rehabilitation and science and physical therapy and even fitness Mm -hmm. so that it really actually helps people get better and stronger.
0: Oh, I love that so much. And even the population that you chose, which was which was teen girls, young adult girls, because, or women, because I'm thinking of myself when I was that age. And that was like the height of my eating disorder. And I was constantly, I was in all the athletics and I was always getting hurt. Always, mm-hmm. and I just the intense anxiety and stress that I felt during that time, it was all a collaboration, you know, like the eating disorder, try to fix the stress, try to fix the, yeah, and the, yeah, so I'll just if I had somebody or even understood at that point how all of this was impacting, that might've lent to some, yeah, direction that I could go to get the help that I needed, but I just, you know, God, and especially now with the social media and how much we're learning uh, social media is impacting young teens' uh, body image and their sense of self-confidence. And and I just, I, I can only imagine what the level of their body Uh, risk to harm is Mm. more so. Oh
1: yeah. I mean, I, I didn't grow up in the, with social media as a teenager, but if, but if there Mm. was, there was enough input and enough self is enough comparison with other people that I can't even imagine what it's like today. And so the added stress of social comparison on top of everything else that women and then high school women, and then high school female athletes go through. I can, I can, I mean, it's a lot and you can see it showing up in their bodies. That's one of my Mm. favorite populations to work with. Actually, I have a few clients right now that are, um, on their way, making their way, preparing for college. And I just feel Mm -hmm. so lucky that I was able to do this research and I'm, I Mm. feel equipped to handle the questions that they're not being asked. And Mm and helping them in their bodies and experience Mm -hmm. their, their bodies and feel comfortable in their bodies in a way that is, is pretty Mm non-traditional.
0: Yeah. And especially in our culture where our bodies are more performative, Mm -hmm. not, not like having a relationship with the body. Like you're saying, it's more of like present your body in a specific way that you will be desired, or you will get love, or you will get you know, if, especially with these messages of love is conditional upon you showing up in a specific way. So it kind of already sets us up for a challenging relationship with the body or, you know, this mind over body mentality instead. How do you see the relationship of emotions impacting the body? Like, how are you, what are you noticing there? There's people's,
1: we'll call it stuck emotions for a generic term, but people's inability to process their emotions effectively shows up in different ways in different people. So Mm. for some people, they'll have a a tightness in their chest and shoulders. For some people, they'll have um, a weak or an over over tight uh, pelvic floor. Um, Mm -hmm. Some people have really flat feet or a a difficulty engaging with the ground. Uh, and some people are just hypervigilant. So Mm -hmm. depending on where in their bodies, they're usually it's correlated with an old injury or a pattern that represents a protective mechanism that they've embodied. So for example, um, I worked with this woman who experienced, uh, trauma as a, as a baby, like a one day Mm -hmm. old baby. And her relationship to training was really difficult. She would start training and then at the 13 week mark, she would stop. So she would, she would do Pilates and she would make it to 13 weeks and then she would stop. And she noticed in her calendar, this number, 13 weeks, 13 weeks, 13 weeks, she, and a new, you know, boxing, cycling, strength, training it. She tried it and it would always stop at 13 weeks. It was like her own little personal curse. <laughs> and I took her through, uh, she was like, I, I feel like you can help me, Liz. You're talking more about the emotional thing. I intuitively feel like I, I, this is not an actual physical block. I feel like I have an emotional block yeah. to training or uh, she couldn't really identify what it was at first. So I took her through a, a series of sessions and I, it was very clear to me that she had trouble um, with dissociation. So she was experiencing dissociative mm-hmm. tendencies as she was working out. Mm -hmm. Um, and she had trouble staying and remaining in her body. So it was Mm -hmm. a really beautiful practice to help her stay connected into her body. She would, uh, she had a lot of difficulty engaging her core. So naturally Mm -hmm. it was really tough for us to stabilize in any sort of traditional strength training exercises. I asked her to be radically honest with me. And during one session, she said, Liz, I'm experiencing a lot of anger right now. And I was like, Ooh, yes. Like Great. great. Thank you. Okay. Let's, Let's explore that. So I asked her a few questions and eventually decided it was appropriate for us to create a safe space for her to express that anger. And so she was doing lat pulldowns and got so angry. Right. And so I, I... you know, turned on some music and I, I ad, 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 adopted a practice from Regina Thomas, our mama Gina called swamping. And so I took her through mm-hmm. a little mini swamping practice. I turned on like heavy death metal music, had her scream mm-hmm. into a pillow and, um, allowed her just like one or two songs of just expressing mm-hmm. that anger that she had, that she felt like it wanted to come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then afterwards, if I would have just left her <laughs> after that, it would have felt very raw. So what I did mm-hmm. was then I turned on a very sensual, a sensual song and allowed her to come back into her body through sensuality, giving mm-hmm. space for that anger to be expressed through sensuality for herself to be expressed through sensuality. So mm-hmm. at that point, the session, you know, we weren't going to go back into lap pull downs <laughs> for sure. And so we had a little, <laughs> we had a little integration afterwards. And when she came back for her next session, she explained to me, she was like, I felt like I I touched on the place in me that I had hid from when I was a baby that made me realize, made me believe that strength meant I had to to protect myself against Mm -hmm. danger. And I was like, oh wow so can we get to the place now in strength train in our strength training practice in our strength training regimen that strength can mean you are the warrior behind the shield it doesn't have to just mean the shield so for her strength meant I've got to protect myself. So anytime her body actually felt like it was getting stronger, she Mm. equated that, her body somatically equated that to, I have to protect myself at at all costs. Because for me, tensing up means I'm protecting myself. Mm -hmm. And so the interesting thing about the physiology of strength is that about the 12 week mark, you truly get stronger hypertrophy, you get stronger physiologically. Um, The capacity of your muscle, a musculoskeletal system to... Uh, adapt and to have overcome uh, and to be able to um, resist a harder load really fully integrates at about 12 weeks. So her body at 13 weeks recognized that she was getting stronger and in her body, her response to that improvement and strength meant, uh uh, this is terrifying. So we got to touch wow. on the place where strength equated to terror and her just even being able to see that strength equated to terror gave her, gave her the tools to be able to then overcome that. Just now, when she touches on it in the future, she's able to say, Oh, this is just what that is. And, and I can, I can work to overcome that. And so our next session, her core was so strong. She was grounded into the ground. She was lifting at least 50% heavier than she was before because she had that, that experience and that realization it was it was profound it was so gorgeous
0: oh my god there's so much that you're saying in there that just my little trauma therapist mind over here and sex therapist mind over here is like "Ah!" (laughs) there's because if if we even think about the emotions that you just mentioned there, you know, the anger, the fear, the um, even sensual pleasure, mm-hmm. pleasure, you know, the experience of pleasure is, you know, how we relate as a culture to those three expressions is to inhibit it, to not allow it to live, allow, um, keep it contained, right? As little kids, we're running around, we're going, ah, you know, we're like uh, taking our pants off and waving in the air. We're like, we're like, you know, pulling on people's (laughs) ponytails and, and, And our teacher is like, sit down, be quiet, behave, you know, and our parents are like, don't touch that. Put your hands in your pockets, Ah, put your pants on, you know, (laughs) and we're just kind of doing whatever feels right. You know, we're just living in the moment. We feel something, we express it. We're scared, we cry, we get angry, we throw our block at our mom's head, you know, and we... over time of this consistently being told, no, don't do that. Sit still causes us to contract in the body every time. No contract, stop that contract, you know, sit still contract. And so it's this constant contraction in our body and this constant message of don't express and how that creates this rigidity in the body over time. And as a sex therapist, I know that when women oftentimes have trouble with orgasms, I talk to them about that, that emotional mm. expression, because that tells me they may be clamping down in their body and they don't even know it.
1: Mm. Yeah, that the liberation, it's interesting that, the experience of an orgasm and the experience that people get after a really heavy workout session can be there. They're they can be similar. So, and the ability to enjoy the endorphin release after a heavy, intense workout session—that's that's. that's all, I also see that with people. People in all bodies of all gender identities. Um, there is a a pervasive message that in order to like, if you're going to be enjoying fitness, it's to make yourself smaller, right? It's all about losing weight. And for me, what I want to get across, I'm very much ingrained in the fitness world. And I get to bring this background of rehabilitation and this, this research and emotion into fitness, which is quite accessible. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting here telling people to do burpees, but really I just want them to move, feel in their body and get curious about what's keeping them stuck and, and allowing them to experience the discomfort of a workout and equate that to what's, what's keeping them from being their fully expressed selves in life. And so for me, fitness is like, it's my Trojan horse. I'm giving people, (laughs) I'm giving people an opportunity to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on into a little doctorless workout. (laughs) Uh, Y'all thought this was a workout class. This is actually a lifestyle. Welcome. (laughs) And, (laughs) and, but it's so a lot of people, most people deal with that contraction that you just talked about around full Mm -hmm. expression, full self-expression. We're told Mm -hmm. from our parents, from, media from culture that, that, Oh, dancing in public is not like that. You're being too wild. You're being too much like fit in, you know, stay in line, Mm -hmm. follow the rules. And that's how you'll achieve success. Keep your head down and then you'll make it to the Mm -hmm. top. And we're really doing ourselves a major disservice because we're not allowing ourselves to get to the root of what brings us joy. And when we're in our full express selves and we're so excited about what we're doing and the energy that we're bringing to our work and the world and our families and our friendships and all of that's aligned, the world Mm -hmm. is going to naturally be a better place and you will be more successful. I've seen it happen with so many of my clients, with myself. The more that I'm living my truth, the more successful Mm -hmm. in all of the definitions that Mm -hmm. I and and all of the people that are going through this, that's what I see.
0: Yeah, and adding to that, putting in what you said earlier, feel the rage, feel Mm. the fear, allow it in, give it space. And I think the difference, you know, we're afraid of, what does it mean if I allow anger to take over my body? Is that going to hurt me? Is that going to hurt somebody else? What if what happens if I allow my fear to be here? Am my am I, is my company going to burn and everything fall down? And, and, you know, I'm like my life burn up and in, in flames. And, mm-hmm. and yet the practice that you brought in swamping, which you and I do together, which is mm-hmm. super fun so, um, <laughs> is this. Creating an intentional container for you to express, for you to feel, for you to rage. Mm -hmm. And so that it doesn't overwhelm you. So it doesn't leak energy from you in the outside world, or it doesn't get directed at a specific person, right? So it's still moving through, but in a way that you are holding it. Yeah. And I've seen people
1: even in these swamping fitness things that I, that I bring, that I bring my clients through in these beautiful containers to allow people to express, I see people who have that reaction. They're like, I'm actually afraid of what's going to come out if I allow all of my anger to be expressed. And you can probably speak to this even better, but the, the, the true visceral fear that I see in their eyes is so big. Mm. It's so big. So for people mm-hmm. who are experiencing that, what is your advice?
0: Yeah. So we speak to that part. Mm. So in, cause I also bring more swamping practices into and rage practices into my um, client work too. And, and so we speak to the part that is not, is that is afraid to, to express. And we say, okay, part, yeah, you're doing it. You're doing a great job of, of holding on so that it doesn't, so it doesn't overwhelm the system or what are you afraid would happen to, to her if she allowed her or him, or them, um, if they allowed this to come forward. And so I let my clients speak as if they are that part. And sometimes it'll be something around. Um, yeah, I'm afraid of hurting somebody. I'm afraid of overwhelm. I'm afraid of, um, hurting somebody I'm afraid of being perceived As somebody who's dangerous mm. And so getting to Getting that information out And then we can f- come to a space of Compassion around that Wow, this part of you is, Created a very clever solution To not letting you hurt somebody or somebody hurt you, or you lose everything, or you lose a relationship or you being abandoned, or wow, like it learned from a very young age that if I clamp down, if I contain it, if I hold it in, then I will be loved or I will be safe, or I will, you know, all these, all these um, pieces. And we also then look at, okay, let's see what the collateral of that is. Mm-hmm. So yes, yes you get this, this part is like, look, I'm taking care of you. I'm protecting you by doing this. But the, the collateral of that is that your body ends up saying, no, you know, your body, you can't orgasm or mm-hmm. you struggle with, um, you end up having depression or you end up having crazy anxiety because it's hard to contain it. Or uh, this, that or you, it's hard to maintain relationships because you keep distancing them or this, that, or the other. So I think, beneath all of this is really to have, instead of shaming ourselves for, for these, these experiences, it's really finding the understanding and compassion around it first. Oh, gorgeous.
1: Yeah. And, and that shows up in my world too. And fitness, we, there's so much shame in the fitness world. Uh, and mm-hmm. in, in the, in the nineties, the whole industry was built on shame. I'm going to shame you into feeling terrible about yourself, yourself so that you buy these fitness videos. Oh. And I'm here to change that narrative. I think fitness is a beautiful vehicle to become embodied, a beautiful vehicle to practice experiencing discomfort and and watching what happens when you go through that because there's growth on the other side of that. And the metaphor Mm -hmm. of your fitness practice, whatever it might look like, it can look like lifting weights or doing yoga or going for a walk, whatever whatever that fitness practice definition is for anyone, allowing Mm -hmm. that to be a metaphor for their own growth for their own life and a, and a temple mm. and a place to go to practice that deepening of connection to self and that deepening mm. of 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 curiosity and
0: comfortability mm. with with being uncomfortable oof Oh, I love that. I want to highlight that. And I have a question around that Mm -hmm. because growing up and because I was also in the fitness and athletic for years and even taught fitness classes. um, But there was instilled this message in us from all of my coaches, you know, um, no pain, no gain or -hmm. push through the pain or, you know, and now as a sensuality expert, I'm like, no, listen to your body, you know, like, and at the same time, I honor that there is a level of discomfort in growing too. So when you're talking to people about fitness and pain and discomfort, how do you, how do you wrap all of that together? How do you mm. help them through understanding pain, discomfort, and growth? There's,
1: One of the first things I do is help educate people who are taking my classes or working one-on-one with me, educate them on what's, what's the pain of, uh, what's the discomfort rather of growth versus the pain of, of abandoning their body and of, 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 getting outside of their boundaries and those boundaries Mm -hmm. can be their actual mental boundaries. Like this is uncomfortable, or this is edgy for me, or it can be the boundaries of their knees and their knee mobility or their hip mobility, their actual physical boundaries of their body. So I don't know, we've all probably experienced this. You're in a fitness class or you're watching a fitness video and you're trying so hard to keep up and your knees are hurting or your legs are burning or your lungs are burning or whatever it might be. And you all of a sudden feel defeated, but you feel so like, oh, well, I'm not worthy of anything unless I keep up with this video because this instructor can do it and talk and count and be on beat, you know? So, oh my gosh. And then there's this, all this shame spiral and this fear and this, Mm. And then you go back to like prove something to yourself, you know, instead of making your fitness work for you. So I like to give a lot of permission to people to just go as fast as their slowest part. And so when we do that, sometimes your slowest part is going to be your brain. Sometimes your slowest part is going to be your lung. Sometimes it's going to be that old knee injury that you got in college. So if you allow yourself permission to say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to strengthen from my baseline, not from some arbitrary fitness instructors baseline Mm -hmm. or my old comparing myself to my 20 year younger self. Okay. Or my (laughs) peers, No, let me be the first to tell you that you have permission to just go as fast as you need to. And speaking from experience, I mean, my own personal experience, every day my body shows up differently. There are so many contributing factors to how strong I am on any particular day. It can be my nutrition. Have I had enough electrolytes? Have I had enough carbohydrates? Have I had enough sleep, right? That None of that is indicative of my worth or my value. It's Mm -hmm. just like, Your girl needs to drink some more salt, right? Some more electrolytes. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be because I had a big workout or a big dance party the night before. And so now (laughs) my body is feeling depleted and unable to show up in its full strength. So giving people permission and the education of like, this is in no This is by no means a competition. I know there's a lot of apps out there that have leaderboards and whatnot. And I always advocate to just like turn that leaderboard on its side and then see what happens for your competitive nature. Like, sure, I'm all about friendly competition, but let that be with yourself. Let that be Mm -hmm. in honor of yourself. Not you're trying to beat yourself, right? Not you're trying to like beat yourself down for sure. But instead, how can you motivate yourself with compassion and Mm. motivate yourself to to grow and to expand who you are? Not, Not this idea of what you think you should be, but who you actually are from where you actually are, your actual starting point.
0: Oh my God. I'm like <laughs> drooling over here. That is so, so wise. And I think it's speaking, I mean, it's speaking to my younger cat too, of like, cause I was so competitive with myself and everyone around, even in the yoga room. Like I was totally. like, oh, that girl can hand and like balance on her two pinky. Uh, watch me. I'm gonna balance on one, you know? Totally. <laughs> oh, you like- see it all the time, all the time. And we get injured because of it, because our mm. body's saying, no, our brain is telling us faster, more, you can do it. And it's, and it's, how do we instead create a relationship of uh, integration with those two instead of competition and, and uh, yeah, rejection of one part. So the, I also want to tie in there, this experience I had with you mm. as a, and an incredible intuitive body worker who you through your practice, you really feel the energy of the, and I'm an energy worker too. So I could really actually feel you through me, which was really awesome. Um, Mm -hmm. But you were able to target in on these different parts of my body and, and hold pressure Mm -hmm. and Lordy, I was, bawling i was i was like ah, it hurts so bad i want to run away from it i was like saying all these things and you were just holding solid space and breathing with me and having me breathe into it and on the other side of it um, this was my abdomen for one of those times it felt so spacious and relieved, and, and I could tell there there was so much released in there that I was like, if I did not tolerate the distress and the pain in there, there's no way I could have come to the other side of that.
1: Yeah. That was so beautiful. And I'm just so honored to have been, been able to hold you in that. And that's the juicy stuff. What I what happens sometimes is I have people coming to me all the time. Cause I, I predominantly work with those who are injured who have gone to see multiple practitioners and they just never really felt seen or heard. And they just have this feeling like, Liz, I, I feel like you're going to actually listen to me <laughs> and get to the bottom mm-hmm. of this. Um, and so I get a lot of people who are injured and are kind of at their wit's end of like, I've tried everything. Please like help me. And so I get to see the association between, it can be an actual old injury, an old back injury or a a spasm that had happened once. And the body creates this tension and this guarding and this holding pattern. And then whatever our experience of that injury or experience of our own Trauma or fear, and it doesn't really even have to make sense. Even just emotions can attach themselves to that existing injury in the body. That's that's my shorthand version of what's going on, actually, physiologically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what I've experienced is if I allow people to feel into the places where they have resisted feeling into. Um, and relax into the places where they've resisted relaxing Mm. almost every single time a memory will come up emotions will flood uh, and they'll get they'll get a a deeper sense of spaciousness in their body and what's beautiful Mm -hmm. about that space that you create is now that space that you can fill up with your own self love with your own experience of, mm. of joy. So now you have room in your body to expand yourself and your truth into those places that were once holding or the once in a fear pattern. Mm. Um, and it's interesting. I'm I'm standing right in the middle. I'm right on the fence. I'm right a bridge between the more esoteric energy medicine, um, Eastern philosophies, and I'm I'm a Ph.D. in kinesiology and biomechanics. So mm-hmm. very science based. I've I've dissected a number of cadavers. I very much know the physiology, the biology of the human body. So when those two things intersect, there is so much room for a deeper understanding of the human experience and the embodied experience. Mm. Um, There was a, I have a lot of friends, as you can imagine, who are like, sure, Liz, totally like, go, go ahead, like continue on with your energy, jibber jabber, like you hippie. And I'm like, okay, well, what's happening now in the scientific research is now that we have this foundational knowledge. And things and injuries are still happening. (laughs) So we've come up with all of these approaches to prevent injury from the biological standpoint, from the biomechanical standpoint, from the anatomical standpoint, and it's still happening and it's not reducing these the Mm -hmm. instances of ACL injury, for example, which was what my particular research was focused on, are not reducing at all. They're, if anything, increasing despite all this Mm -hmm. money and all of this research and all of this innovation going into the technology to help. to help decrease those instances it then opens up the question for okay what are we missing and that's where i come in i say okay look i'm a bridge between these two worlds and i see things mm-hmm. from a very broad holistic perspective so mm-hmm. what if we allowed the holistic and the scientific to hold hands and come up mm-hmm. with the answer for why why women are having a trouble connecting to their pelvic floor their hips are what stabilizes mm. their knees and so you can start to see how my brain starts putting the pieces together of hey if you're if you're growing up in a culture as a person living in a female body that tells you that your body is only for show that your sexuality mm-hmm. is not welcome that mm-hmm. maybe you've experienced some sort of traumatic event as one in four women have by the time they reach the age of 18 you like, come on, there has got to be some yeah. dissociation or some feelings that you might have that are correlated with a weakness in the pelvic floor and inability to connect to the pelvic floor, which stabilizes your hips. So we're having athletes as a sports medicine practitioner, as an athletic trainer, we're having athletes do abduction, which is just the little cute little glute exercises to help strengthen their hips, but we're totally missing the point. So now we're just putting a band aid Mm -hmm. on something where the foundation is rotten. So what I'm trying to do is get to that foundation to get to the reason why there's a disconnect in the pelvic floor. The reason Mm -hmm. why women don't feel comfortable in their bodies and, and they're having trouble Mm -hmm. feeling strong. Like my, my one client who strength meant actual terror. So if we can address that and then, and then by the next session, her strength improved by 50%, come on. Mm -hmm, So how many athletes are dealing with that? How many people who have dreams of being athletic or even just simply moving in their body and feeling strong for whatever they need Mm -hmm. to do, pick up their kids or, you know, live independently or feel Mm -hmm. just (laughs) embodied and strong to be Mm a functioning human. How many people are you know, looking up the research and looking up books and being like, well, I guess if I do this exercise, but not addressing the core foundation of what's preventing them from being embodied.
0: Yeah. And for you personally, when was the moment that, or moments that you made that connection between mm, sensuality as medicine, or even this energetics as a missing link to this that it made you such a bridge? Oh,
1: yeah, Um, it's been a it's been a process for sure. I had I had deep, deep wounds around my own sensuality. I was raised Catholic and Mm -hmm. it was not okay to be sexually expressed. I had a lot of shame around my own sexuality. Um, And so for me personally, the connection came from I I was looking for ways to improve my ankle mobility of all things. I have like terribly (laughs) tight ankles, (laughs) which makes squatting. Yeah. Super hot. So it, it, it is actually hot once you hear the rest of the story. So, um, it prevents me from like squatting deep and feeling really strong in my body. And so I was looking up ways that I could improve my ankle mobility. And I came across self massage using tools. You know, we've all seen the like massage therapy balls and so mm-hmm. I was rolling around on the floor um uh, focusing on my ankles and then allowed mm-hmm. I was using therapy balls and I like moved up to my knees and moved up to my hips and all of a sudden an hour had passed. I put on some like sexy music. An hour had passed and I was like, "Whoa, I've actually never I never realized how tight these other muscles in my body were." And as I came out of that very first experience, where I was just rolling to technically, I was like, well, I'm going to place pressure on the muscle and it's going to relax and it's going to create this sympathetic response. And and I really, really was coming at it from a very like <laughs> scientific approach. Um, but I finally felt embodied in a way that I had never felt before. And so then I continued doing this practice. I was just I would just start my day rolling the balls on my feet, rolling up my legs, rolling into my shoulders. And I started to discover in my own body times where I would feel tense or stressed or worried or anxious about something that would show up in my body in these same specific locations, my shoulders or my calves or my hands and my forearms even. Mm. And, And I started to create these correlations in my own unique experience. So when I introduced this rolling practice to my clients at the time, this was like six years ago, Mm-hmm. I started to notice patterns, holding patterns, and and patterns of their reaction to the self massage experience. Um, mm. uh, the sometimes people get really frustrated and just be like, "Oh, this is painful. I don't want to do it." And and I would get curious about, okay, where else in your life is that is that showing up? How, is that how mm. you respond to everything? Hmm, interesting, right? Opposing those questions to them, um, mm. noticing that heart heartbreak or deep grief showed up in the, in the chest in a way that was pretty universal with everyone that I I was working with that was going through deep, terrible, traumatic grief. Um, and so I did, I was like more, more people need to do this. So I developed a class called the release, um, absolutely named <laughs> and I <laughs> turned the lights down low and I turned on sexy music and people showed up and people cried in class and people mm-hmm. finally felt permission to slow down and listen to their body in a way that wasn't just let me lay on the floor and try and feel my body. But instead they had, what was the equivalent of like, you know, the balls acted as like my thumbs pressing into their back pressing into their hips, allowing them to be like, feel this so they could understand, Mm. Ooh, I actually don't feel that I'm dissociating right now. And then giving them tools to come back. But, but if they did feel it to be like, what is this trying to tell you? Mm -hmm. what can you gain? What can you garner from this sensation of holding what lives here and how can you give that space and a voice and and allow that to be heard? What part of you, just like when you're working with people and their own minds, psychological responses, it's a part of you that needs to be expressed. And so I do that with the physical
0: body. Oh, bless you. Oh my God. This is so juicy. It's, it's again, literally creating a relationship with your body by doing that. And this actually brings me to this point of, The work that you and I are going to be doing together, we're going to be collaborating on November 7th at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember that this is also Daylight Savings Time, so make sure you mark your calendar correctly. (laughs) But we are collaborating on a workshop called Body Release, Awakening Through Our Sensuality. And it's all about... Unlocking the armor of your body that's been built up over years of contraction, shame, and being told no. We're teaching you about how to come into a deeper expression of your sensuality through movement that's designed to connect you to your innermost being and vibrant power. Dr. Liz is going to be on teaching her release practices and I'm going to be threading through the century, the sexuality aspect of it, the sensuality aspect of it, mm-hmm. potentially the sexuality aspect, of it, probably both. Um, but to so that you can be more grounded, more open, more expansive, more alive. Yeah, so there to check out the link in the show notes. I was just
1: gonna say, just speaking on that sensuality portion. I can't tell you the number of of messages and emails I've received after these release classes where people are like, I was finally able to feel comfortable and intimate with my partner The Mm -hmm. the day of, they'll go home and they'll finally feel embodied. And so for those people who are having trouble feeling that ability to let go in whatever aspect of life, but definitely in your sensuality, I highly, highly recommend checking out this release practice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be so fun. It's going to be super juicy. And you have us who are just hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) The alchemy of us is fabulous. You'll want to be there. (laughs) It's true. We had to restart this podcast like three times because we couldn't stop laughing. So (laughs) vulnerability share there. Yes. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Liz, for coming on and jamming with me and sharing your incredible wisdom with the world. Thank you, Dr. Kat. It's an
1: honor. And I just, I have so much respect for the work that you're doing. It's Mm. so important and I trust you so much. So it's just, it's an honor to, to be able to even create a practice together where our two geniuses can come together in one hilarious Beautiful alchemical experience for people to finally
0: tap in. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Turning the world on. <laughs> Lovers, thank you again for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, hit subscribe and head over to eatplaysex.com. To connect with me and grab my sexy guides. Because my goal here is to get you to eat, play, and sex better. So you can improve your sex life. Which will improve every aspect of your life. Until next time, keep it sexy.